So glad that you're here this morning. My name is Dwight. Uh, I'm one of the pastors here. And um, this morning is going to be different maybe than what you thought, because it's different than what I thought this morning was going to be. So this morning, um, last night I wasn't feeling all that well, went to bed a little bit earlier, got good night's sleep. Usually I get up around five. I woke up at seven. Like It was great. Woke up, got up, made coffee and just sat down to, uh, to read. And I was really excited because I didn't have to preach this morning. So what I do is I read the Bible and then I'm reading the zombie survival guide book because that's important. So I'm like, oh, I'll get to read a little bit more of that. It's for fun. I'm not an apocalyptic guy like that, but for fun. And then I was going to play with the kids and then come in here like on time, drop them off, all that. But I got a text message from Brian Stegner, one of our other pastors, who was saying, you don't want me on stage this morning in front of anyone because of certain things that are happening within my body. And so he is really, really sick uh, right now. And so um, I don't know if you've ever had to give a presentation in front of about 200 people uh, and you got like last minute notification of that. Uh, But that's my life this morning. So that's what we're going to do this morning. Uh, So I'm not talking about the occult. That's what Brian was going to talk about. We gave him months to research that so that he could preach on this. And then he's like, well, I'll send you my notes. I'm like, no, I don't want your notes. So we're preaching on something completely different this morning, but we're still going to stay within the paranormal um, delegation of this series. It's just going to take a completely different bent. When you think about paranormal, maybe you think about the culling. Uh, we're going to talk about the calling. you just replacing a vowel. That's all we're doing this morning. Uh, so we're going to talk about the calling and this idea that when God speaks to you. So the occult is built around Satanology, demonology, and how we practice these things. And what we're going to talk about is when we actually hear from God. So I'm going to pray again, and then we're going to get going. And if we're a bit scattered this morning, uh, I guess I'm sorry. Like, I'm, I'm really sorry. So this, this got put together pretty quickly. So let me pray. Uh, Lord, thank you that it's not uh, me that has to come up with this. It's you that will speak. Um, you're the one that communicates to us about what you want and what you have to say. And I'm expecting that you are going to speak to us this morning, that we're going to hear from you, and that you don't, lack of preparation is not a big thing for you. You have no problem speaking exactly how you want to speak and when you want to speak. So for those of us who are here and have been following you for a long time, have been enjoying you, would you cause us to enjoy you this morning? For those of us who have been following you, but this morning, uh, we haven't been hearing from you all that well recently, and a lot of it's due to us. Uh, would you cause us to, to turn back to you? For those of us who have been following you and we're not hearing from you, we're not quite sure, would you bring comfort to us? And those of us who are here this morning and we don't really know who you are, would you reveal yourself to us this morning and help us see that you are the great God who does speak. And we love you and we need you for everything this morning and for all of life. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So it's not normal when God speaks. This is an abnormal thing when you hear a voice from somewhere else or you see, as Jordan read for us, this this bush that's burning somewhere in the distance. That's abnormal. That's, That's paranormal in a sense. Right, so we've been looking at paranormal as like, you know, the the exorcism Emily Rose, uh, the exorcist, the uh, paranormal activity, like the freaky kind of things that happen in the spiritual realm. And this morning, it's still as freaky. It's to be feared, but it's it's a good fear. It's a it's a reverence. It's a worship. It's a wanting to draw close to who this voice 
really is. So what happens when God speaks to you? Because I believe that God speaks to you. I believe that God speaks all the time. In fact, we're actually going to get to hear his words this morning. Jordan already read for us some of his direct words from the Bible. We believe that the Bible is God's word to us and that he speaks to us in ways that no one else and nothing else can. It says in the Bible that it cuts into the deepest places, the places where surgeons can't successfully get to. God does. And it happens through his word. And that sounds crazy, I know, but the Bible actually says that's crazy. Right? So it's okay to think this is nuts because God already said this will appear nuts to you. But my question for us this morning is what's God's call on your life? What is God's calling on your life? We're into 2020 now. Most of you are not following your resolutions anymore. So let's talk about calling. Right? It's time to, to renew, re-up. In 2004, I became a Christian in 2003. Uh, I, my life was crazy. I could tell you more about my life. We just don't have time to do it this morning. But I was not for God at all. I was running from him toward hedonism in any possible way I could find it. You can imagine it like I was trying to, to find it in that way. And in 2003, I became a follower of Jesus because as I, I, I didn't sit down and investigate all the claims of Jesus and what I was believing... It just seemed like Jesus broke into my house, told me that he loved me, that he died for me, and that he had a purpose for my life. And you say, yeah, but like, I don't believe that God speaks that way. That's fine, but that's what happens. And I remember my prayer that day, most of you have heard this, that God, Jesus, if you're real, I'm all in. I want to believe that and I will follow you. But if you're not, I'm going to wake up tomorrow morning and all this will be the same. Nothing will have changed. And it was like everything changed. I had a new mind, a new heart, new desires. I didn't try to do any of that be a good person thing. It, the desire all of a sudden was in me. It was like that was the first time I looked at people and loved them. You imagine going through your life for 22, 23 years and only wanting to use people for your end and your gain. That was me. And now I loved people. And it's because God broke into my life. So I went to a Bible school the next year, and uh, I, I left my university degree and went to Bible school for a year, then returned to finish. But during that year, I was bored to death of the sermons, and I probably was arrogant and judged the people preaching. But it was like they were just giving us information. They weren't desiring to put us in front of who God is and help us to enjoy him. But I'm sure they were, all right? I'm just thinking back on this. Remember, short preparation time. Um, <laughs> And uh, I remember someone speaking about Quebec and the needs here in the province. And this was the least reached people group in the world for followers of Jesus. Not religion, organized religion, but real followers of Jesus. And God spoke to me. And God said, Dwight, I want you to go to Quebec. And I'm like, I'm in. And I went and talked to a professor the next day. I'm like, I'm leaving Bible school to go to Quebec. He's like, to do what? I'm like, I have no idea. But yesterday... God spoke to me about this. Now, they didn't believe that God spoke in the same way that I did, so it was a strange conversation, but nonetheless, I knew I was supposed to come to Quebec. In 2010, my wife and I finally landed here to start what is now Church 21 and other churches and ministries, all that. Um, in 2007, God spoke to me again about planting a church, and that actually happened in 2011. And here's the big idea. It's not about what God did in my life, but God does have a calling for you. And here's the deal. You can't trump God's calling. 
You can't say, yeah, but that sounds this level and I should be doing this level. I have this many degrees, this much experience. And God's like, that doesn't matter to me. Or I have no experience, no degrees. I can barely speak. We'll hear about someone like that today. Right? I didn't know any French. You want to talk about the dumbest ideas? Hey, do I go to this French-speaking province? Like, who comes up with that idea? I thought you were the all-wise, omnipotent, omniscient, all those omni words that make you sound smart. God, this is not a good idea. There are lots of French people that could do a better job than me. And I'm sure a lot of you who live in the province and are like, I'm here and I can't leave and I don't know why I can't leave. Why would you want me to be here, God? You feel like me. Because you can't trump God's calling. You can't get around it. You can't get over it. You got to go through it. Right? You got to go through the calling no matter how difficult it is. And he is in all the details of getting you to where he wants you to be. Today is not an accident. Brian didn't accidentally get sick last night. Today, before the world was made, God knew I was going to be here today, you were going to be here today, and he was going to have the story of Moses spoken about today. And so this is where we are. Why? I don't know. But he does. Today is not an accident. In fact, it's part of your calling. And it's part of my calling. And so let's talk about your calling. And so I'm going to start with Moses. And I'm going to go in and out of of your calling, Moses' calling, and story. And hopefully all of this intersects, makes sense. Here we go. Moses. Moses. Moses should have died as a baby. I know some of you have that story. I've met people that were, should have uh, been aborted and they aren't, they weren't, and they're, they're alive. Or they had this horrendous disease and they lived through it. You're, you're still here, so God isn't done with you yet, right? Moses should have died as a baby, but instead of dying as a Hebrew baby, he was brought up inside of Pharaoh's house as a, as a son of his daughter. Pharaoh's daughter adopted him in through a strange series of events. You want to... Uh, read the whole account. Go ahead and read Exodus 1 and 2 later on. You can read all that information. We just don't have time for it this morning. Moses, as he grew up, he saw that his people, the Hebrew people, were slaves to the Egyptians. And Moses knew he was a Hebrew. There was no confusion around that. And so one day, I think Moses actually knew he was called deep down to deliver his people. But instead of waiting for God's timing, Moses tried to do it in his own strength. And I'm sure a lot of us have been there before, right? We know what we're supposed to do, and we've been waiting a long time. And like, I can't wait anymore. I'm just going to get moving on this task. And you start in it, and it all fails. So don't move until God says, I want you to move on this thing. That doesn't mean you sit and you do nothing. Waiting is an active pursuit of God. Doing the things you should be doing until that thing you're supposed to be doing ultimately happens. We heard in, I heard in 2004 I was supposed to move to Quebec. It wasn't like I sat in a little room learning French by myself until I finally moved here. Yeah, we learned French, but I also started these missional communities, these city groups, these little small groups within our church in, in Maine. I was learning how to do ministry. I was studying the city. I was actively waiting for what I knew God was calling me to. So Moses tried to rescue his people by killing an Egyptian that was harming one of his people. But instead of being received well by his people for like, oh, there's Moses, our savior, our rescuer, he was rejected by his people. 
That's what happens because when we want to be seen as the rescuer, oftentimes we're rejected because you're a really bad savior. You're a really bad rescuer. I don't know your story, but I guarantee you are. And we often try and step into the place of God for other people. And we wonder why they don't like us. They're disappointed. They're further depressed. They, they want more distance from us. It's oftentimes because we try to be God. And you weren't made to be God. Some of you get upset at your spouse because you want them to be God for you. Some of you are upset with your kids because you want them to be God for you. They can't handle that level. And sometimes you're upset with yourself because you expect yourself to be God. And you are a horrible God. You cannot fit that title. And so when Moses was rejected by his people as the deliverer, he leaves at the age of 40 and he runs out into the wilderness and he becomes a shepherd. He goes from being a baby in the Nile River, being adopted as the king's grandson, and now being off by himself as a shepherd. And for 40 years, he's taking care of sheep. You ever feel like a nobody? I guarantee Moses felt that way. You ever feel like your life's not going anywhere? Imagine being a shepherd every single day. Right? Like, what's your goal today? To get those sheep from here to here. What does that mean you're going to have to do? The same thing as yesterday. It's like data entry sometimes. Right? It feels pointless. And yet it has deep purpose. Do you ever feel like you're just existing? Like you're uncertain about what you're supposed to be doing? Well, here's the reality. God has you here. God has you here this morning and there in your place. And so Moses, here's the story. As Moses is shepherding, as he's doing the thing he's supposed to be doing, he sees a fire in the bush. I always thought growing up that was like a, the bush was on fire, but it's more like a big Christmas light. Right? It's not consuming the bush. The bush isn't burning itself, but there's this fire in it. There's fire in it. And so Moses is like most of us. He likes shiny things. He's curious. So he sees the shiny. He's like, oh, shiny, and goes over that way. And he examines what, what's going on. And, and it's interesting. God speaks to Moses, but he waits until Moses is curious enough to go after it. So here's what happens. Exodus 3, 3 and 4. Moses said, I'll turn aside to see this great sight, why the bush isn't burned. When the Lord saw that he turned aside to see, God called him out of the bush, Moses, Moses. And he said, here I am. Here I am. So you're here today, right? Pinch yourself. You're here. Good. Wonderful. <clears throat> Are you curious? Are you curious to know what God might say to you today? Are you curious to know what God might speak through a very strange person in front today. Because God speaks through burning bushes, and he also speaks through people who didn't know they were going to speak until that morning. Because that's what God likes to do. Whether you're here by faith or you're forced by someone to be here, you're here nonetheless. And today, today might be the day that you were called into something that you didn't think possible. Today might be the day where you hear the Lord call your name and give you a specific assignment, whether that's audible or not. Did you wake up this morning thinking that? This is the realm of possibility. And I know, I know you're in these stinkingly comfortable chairs. And it's like you don't want to think about anything. You're ready to consume 
Don't be a consumer this morning. Allow for the Lord to speak things into your life, hard things. Maybe there are things that need to change. Maybe there are new desires. I talked to some of you and you can't wait to leave Quebec, but maybe this is actually where you're supposed to live. Maybe this is where you're supposed to take up residence. And here's the reality. If you are a follower of Jesus, if you're a follower of Jesus, you are already called. You've already been called into something. And let me start out before looking at specific things. Let me tell you what you're already called into. Because this is the beauty. This is the, the milk. This is the main part of everything that we're about as followers of Jesus. At one point, you were spiritually dead. You were separated from God. You and God had no relationship. When I talk to people and I ask them, how long have you been a follower of Jesus? They're like, always. I'm like, eh. I don't say that. I'm like, oh, okay. Like, what do you mean by that? But my, my little theological ticker inside of me is like, wrong, 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 wrong. Right? And I need to ask further questions. Because you might not actually be a follower of Jesus. You might be a, a knower of facts about Jesus who's always done Jesus-type things. But you don't really know him. So at one point, you were spiritually dead. You had no hope of bringing yourself to life. There was no self-help book. There was no Oprah episode. There was no Dr. Phil that was going to enlighten you to the point where you could be perfect and stand before God. But you were called out of death. You were called out of death by God. He came after spiritually dead people who couldn't do anything spiritually good for themselves or for him. And he called us out of death. At one point, you were in darkness. You were like the walking dead, just groping for anything that you thought might bring you life. But you were called into the kingdom of light. At one point, you were an orphan. You might have biological parents, but you lived like an orphan. You were constantly trying to grab and, and to bring in things that would give you value, meaning, and purpose, but you had no name that was going to last. You had no father who was going to love you unconditionally. You were an orphan. You were looking for the scraps that would fall from the table, but now you're called a son or daughter of God. Not a half-son or stepson, but a son and daughter, just like Jesus. And you get the full inheritance, you get the full name, you're fully written into the will. But the good news is, dad's not going to die. The will is already given to you. You get access to it all today. When you had no hope, when you had no security, when you had no comfort, when you had no power, when you had no good, when you had no freedom, Jesus came for you. And you have to like wake yourself up. You don't have to say anything verbally, but inside, this is where like fireworks should be going off, right? I get that we're a more quiet, reserved church with a very loud preacher two thirds of the time, right? I get that. But inside it should be boom, boom. This is amazing. This is who I am. This is who I am. There should be parties happening inside. Your organs should be clapping their hands. Ducks should be opening and shutting to the glory of Jesus inside you right now. Because Jesus came for you. He came to wear enemy colors. He came to become an enemy of God for you. You see, on the cross, Jesus became an ungodly rebel. And we just slide past that fact. 
on the cross, he became an ungodly rebel, the only one who never sinned, the only one who never disobeyed God, the only one who never said, I'm broken. The only one who was whole became that. Why? For you. The only one who should never have to die, never have to go to a cross, went there and cried out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? So that you and I never have to cry out, my God, why have you forsaken me? You don't ever have to be forsaken by God. In fact, if you're a child of God this morning, he will never forsake you. Even if you feel like you're walking in the darkness, even if you feel like you've hit a wall that you can't make it past, God has not forsaken you. All of this is part of his plan to change you to be just like Jesus. And if we could like zoom out and oversee everything that's going on, we're like, oh, wow, that's amazing. But instead, by faith, we're stuck in front of the wall, not seeing what's on the other side. And we have to look up and say, God, I trust you because you see past this. So what do you want me to do? What do you want me to do with this wall? Jesus is alive, he's active, he's moving, and he's calling his people toward building his kingdom with him. You see, if we were left on our own, we would have built our own little kingdoms. We would have had lots of little Lego universes, and we would have walked around trying to kick over everyone else's, take their blocks and make our own. That would have been our whole life if God didn't awaken us. And now we're invited to build his kingdom with him. And this is a kingdom that the gates of hell, what we've been talking about through this series, this is a kingdom that the gates of hell will not prevail against. His plan that he's calling you into is indestructible. You ever look at a plan at your job? Maybe you look at one of your kids, you call them plan, I don't know. And you're just like, this is impossible. And then your boss says, no, this is indestructible. Like this can't fail. Your spouse who has more faith than you says, this can't fail. I don't see it. Indestructible. This is what you're actually called into building. We get the privilege of being partners with God on his mission. We are ambassadors. They get to go into every place on this earth that we are and show and tell of the greatness of God who came, lived a perfect life for us, died for us, taking our debt onto himself, and now offers us a place in his family. And that's what all religions are ultimately hoping for. When they say, oh, they all lead to the same place. No, they don't. But they all have the same desire. And the desire is to be in communion with God, with Allah, with Nirvana, with some greater being. Like we all want to be connected to the thing or the one. But there's only one way, and it's only through Jesus. And that might be really hard for some of you to hear. And it was just as hard for the people who, who heard it when Jesus said it. That there's no way to God except through me. And I am not a religion, Jesus says. You have to trust in me and what I've done for you. Not your works, but my works. My works. See, no matter who you are, no matter who you are, you're all called, we're all called to go and sow and plant seeds of the good news of Jesus wherever we are. And we do this in the everyday things of life. We do this 
with our family members, we do this with our coworkers, we do this with our softball team, we do this at jiu-jitsu, we do this with our knitting club, we do this with our, I don't know, like I'm running out of examples. We do this with these people, right? Everywhere we are, we get to do this. And then we pray that results happen. I talk to Christians often, they're so frustrated. They're so frustrated because they're talking about Jesus. They're, they're sharing the things that they're learning. Their lives are open and they're like, nothing is happening. No one wants to become a follower of Jesus or few people want to become a follower of Jesus. But that's what Jesus said would happen. That our, our calling is to pray, is to pray for results to happen, that people would know Jesus, that they would grow in maturity in him and that they would disciple others. But you are not your results. God does not put a quota on you for well, how many people have you led to Jesus this year? It's like three is like, oh, I loved you last year, but no longer. Sorry, pal. Five is my quota. Aren't, aren't we glad that that's not how God works? Because oftentimes I don't even want to talk to people about who Jesus is. I'm enjoying my own little comfort. I'm enjoying my zombie book. I'm enjoy- like, I don't want to go out and do these things. And yet, despite me, God still does it. And God still says, Dwight, you are not results. You're not your results anyway. You're my results. I loved you, not because of what you're going to do for me, but because I love you. And some of you need to hear that this morning. You try so hard to do the missional thing, and that's good. You try so hard to share who Jesus is. You try so hard and you're so frustrated because nothing is happening. But you are not your results. You are loved despite the results. God's not looking for anything from you in terms of a quota. God is only impressed by who you are in Jesus. That you are a beloved son or daughter. And he's calling you. And his calling entails him giving us all the resources that we need. Imagine your boss saying, what do you need for the job? It's like, I need all these things. It's yours. Go. Go do it. That's what the Lord actually does. What do you need? It's like, I don't even know. He's like, don't worry. I already packed your bag. It's full of everything that you're going to need. I've put my spirit inside of you as well to do things you didn't even know were possible. And like, you're ready for whatever happens. Now go. And I'm with you. We are the conduits. We're the conduits of this good news. You know what my life is like? It's just like yours. I literally wake up, and there's a story in all four of the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, books in the New Testament, and it's a story of Jesus taking a little fish and a little bread, and he multiplies it. He does all the work, and then he tells his disciples, like, go hand it out to people. And like, if they don't want to eat it, that's weird, number one, but like, okay, fine, you don't want to eat it, but it's there. That's, that's, my, that's my life, and that's your life. Jesus does all the work, and he says, now go, just go hand out the bread and fish. Go hand this stuff out. That we get to be distributors of the goodness of God. And so today, you're being called by Jesus. You're being called by Jesus to partner with him. And maybe you're here today, and you don't yet know him. Today, you're being called by him to know him. That his life, death, resurrection was for you. Today you can be forgiven. Maybe you've lived a life of shame and guilt and frustration. You're like, if there ever was a God, he would never want me. And it's like, actually, he came for 
uh, the, the naked. He came for the people who were in jail. He came for the hungry. He came for those who knew that they were sinners and outcasts so that he could bring you into his family and make you just like his son. So are you being called to him today? If so, right now, as I'm going to move on to my next, I don't have any points to this sermon. I'm just going to keep going. But as I move on in this, this sermon, you could say, Jesus, I want in. If you're real, change me. I want to be changed. I want to be forgiven. I want what you have. And if you're not, then all right, it'll just go on. Like make my prayer your prayer. I'm going to keep going. Are you called to something specific? What I want to do is I want to go through the account of Moses uh, quickly. I'm not going to read all this for us. But are you called by God to a specific ministry, something specific that you're supposed to be doing? When I mean ministry, don't hear me saying like plant a church or pastor or uh, leave a full-time vocational job to do something with a church or Christian nonprofit. That's not what I'm talking about. Your ministry is what you're called to do by God, your vocation. He's made you for this. Some of you, it's to be a surgeon. Some of you, it's to be a doctor. Some of you, it's to be a like a maker of donuts. I don't know what that is, a donateer. Uh, some of you, it's to be um, a lawyer. I, like, whatever it is, like, there's a vocation that God has actually made you for. So let me get into to Moses. Moses. God says to Moses, you know, I am God. Moses says, here I am. God says, well, I am God. And then I want you to see the hilarious nature of this conversation. If you ever feel like you can't be a leader, I just want for you to see one of the leaders that is highlighted most in the Bible. All right, this should make you feel really good. It makes me feel really good. Exodus 3, 7 to 11. This is the same conversation that Jordan started, right? Moses sees the burning bush. The Lord said, I have surely seen the affliction of my people who are in Egypt and have heard their cry because of their taskmasters. I know their sufferings. And I've come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of the land to a good and broad land, a land flowing of milk and honey to the place of the Canaanites, Hittites, Amorites, Perizzites, Hivites, and the Jebusites. And now, behold, the cry of the people of Israel has come to me. And I've also seen the oppression with which the Egyptians oppress them. Do you see this? Like God sees what we're going through. So God says, I've heard, seen the affliction. I've come to deliver them. Come, I'm going to send you to Pharaoh that you may bring my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. Right? I'm going to send you. What does Moses say? Who am I? Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the children of Israel out of Egypt? Now, that's humble. Who am I that I should be able to do this thing? Great. Humility is, is amazing. So now let me tell you who you are, and we'll keep going in the conversation, God is saying. Exodus 3, 12 and 13, God said, I will be with you. And this shall be the sign for you that I have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you shall serve God on this mountain. So the mountain I'm talking to you on, you're going to be here soon with all my people. Like millions of people, you're going to be here on this mountain with them. Moses says, if I come to the people of Israel and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you. They ask me, what is his name? What shall I say to them? All right, good question. Good question, Moses. Let's keep going. God basically says, this is a long passage, so I won't read this next part. God basically says, you're going to tell them, I, I am who I am. That's not an Eminem lyric, Slim Shady. Uh, 
Any of you know who that? If you don't, that's probably good. All right. But God says, I am who I am, which means I have no beginning, have no end. I, I don't need to be defined by you. In fact, you can't define me completely on your own. I'm going to have to reveal myself, but I am the I am. And by my swearing on myself, I'm going to deliver these people, they will listen. I'm going to stretch out my hand over Pharaoh and Egypt. I'm going to take them out of slavery. And then Moses' question is awesome. Uh, Behold, they won't believe me or listen to my voice, for they will say, the Lord did not appear to you. They won't believe me. What am I going to do? When you, great God, who can do all this stuff, I go in, I, I describe who you are. They're not going to believe me. So then God says, hey, what's that in your hand? Well, it's a rod. He turns the rod into a snake, pick it back up, right? Moses was scared of the snake, by the way. That's one of my favorite parts of Exodus 4 is he's scared of his rod. And God's like, it's okay. Just pick it up by the tail. It'll be fine. Um, he, he gives him some tricks. God gives Moses some tricks. He says, put your hand in your pocket. Take it back out. Hand was full of leprosy, a skin disease. God says, put it back in, right? He's like David Copperfielding Moses to go into Egypt for this. And then he, he says, hey, I want you to touch water, and, uh, and the Nile will become blood, and then touch it, it will stop being blood. He gets all these tricks, and then, like, there's just silence. Moses is so, like, in awe about these, like, magic tricks he's equipped with, he doesn't say anything. Then finally, he speaks up and says this, oh, my Lord, I am not eloquent, either in my past or since you've spoken to your servant, but I'm slow of speech and of tongue, right? I can't talk. How am I going to do this in front of millions of people? I don't know what to say. The Lord said to him, who has made man's mouth? Who makes him mute or deaf or seeing or blind? Is it not I, the Lord? Now, therefore, go and I will be with your mouth and teach you what you shall speak. The Lord already said, I'm going to be with you. But now he's getting really specific. Like, I'll be with your mouth. Don't worry, stutterer Moses. Like, I will overcome that and show my power. But then Moses says this. That child is going to stop this from moving forward. There we go. He said, oh, my Lord, please send someone else. When you know what you're called to, do you ever feel that? Would you just please send someone else to do it? Would you please just text message someone else to do this thing? Would you please go after, like, anybody else could do this better than me. And I feel that all the time. You feel that? You look around a room and you're like, man, all these people are more gifted than me in these ways. They could do a far better job. Why am I here doing this thing? Why are you calling me? Look at what God says. Then the anger of the Lord was kindled against Moses. And he said, is there not Aaron, your brother, the Levite? I know he can speak well. Behold, he is coming out to meet you. When he sees you, he will be glad in his heart. You shall speak to him. Put the words in his mouth. I will be with your mouth and with his mouth, and will teach you both what to do. He shall speak for you to the people. He shall be your mouth, and you shall be as God to him. And take in your hand this staff with which you are to do signs. There's no getting around calling. You can, you can try and out-talk the Lord, but he's just always going to have a better argument. He's going to provide everything that you need until you finally get to that place where you embrace the strangeness, the fearfulness, the awkwardness of what he's calling you into, and you do it. There's never a moment that you're not going to be scared. 
There's never going to be a moment where you're not, and I, and I mean that in a good way, like reverently. There's never going to be a moment where you think, man, I've got this. I'm amazing. This is exactly what these people need. Because if you get there, it's not the Lord doing that work anymore, I guarantee. It's you thinking you're doing it. And it's actually probably regressing and going downward. There's no getting around calling. Would you have chosen Moses? Let me just expose to you quickly who Moses is. Moses is old. You think you're in the last two-thirds of your life, or the last third of your life, and you're like, God can't do anything with me? He doesn't call Moses to do the significant thing until he's in the last third of his life. Life expectancy now is like 85-ish, I think. So if you're feeling like 60 and looking forward to pension or retirement, it's like, ah, are you spending time with the Lord? Because maybe, maybe the greatest revival that Quebec has ever seen is going to happen through a 64-year-old. We have no idea, no clue. But Moses is old. He's afraid. He's insecure. He's not a seminary grad. He's a shepherd. He's distrustful of God. He has excuses. He needs to be told to go. If this were all up to Moses, this might not be the best move. If God was saying, Moses, you just need to do you, bro. You just need to reach down deep inside of you and be the best you that you can be. This whole thing would get all screwed up. It would fail. But this is all up to God. Moses got to partner with God. Listen to what God's heart is. God cares about the affliction and oppression his people are experiencing. And God cares about the oppression that people in Montreal are experiencing. He promises Moses that he will deliver his people and tells him next time he is there, it will be with his people. Right? Next time you're here in this mountain, you're going to be here with my people. God promises Moses, I'm not going to leave you. I, they're going to listen. I'm going to be your mouth. I've given you some Houdini tricks to impress people with so that they see the greatness of my power. I'm even going to be over your mouth. You're going to get to speak in such a way that it's understood and believe that God is there and with you. And God is not going to look for a different plan. This is all up to God, not Moses. And so here's the thing. If God is calling you, no matter what he's calling you into, you should feel that you can't do it. I've got to like hammer this home a little bit. If, if you feel like you can do it, then it's probably not the calling of God. It should feel out of your weight class. It should feel the next mixed martial arts belt above you. It should feel out of your reach. Because if it's not, then you're going to be itching and scratching for the glory. But if it's out of your reach and out of your weight class, if you do this, you're going to be like, none of that was me. I can guarantee you none of that was me. That was all you. Which means that you're going to be humble. You see, God looks for the humble to show them grace. But God is opposed to the proud. Listen to this. The arrogant promise the stuff of God. I will do this. Like, do you want to follow me? I'll do this. But the humble promise, the stuff of Moses. Hey, I'm here to help out, um, but don't worry, I'm going to mess this up. That's true humility. It's not like I am the fear, fearless leader for you. Like, I will mess this up. The arrogant take credit for any work that happens, but the humble give all credit to God for any work that happens. The arrogant bail when things get tough, 
But the humble can't bail because they cling to the calling God gave to them. They say, I don't know what else I'm going to do. Moses was frustrated with the people bringing them out of Egypt and toward where God was leading them. And at one point, Moses says to God, if you're not going to go with us, kill me. End my calling because I don't want to lead these people on my own initiative. I want it to be because of you and for you. The arrogant think this will never end. This is going to last forever. My glory is going to keep going. But the humble know this will never end because of the one who is really working. That we're leading people towards the one who will never end. And here's the thing. If you're arrogant and prideful, God will still use you. In fact, he'll probably use a lot of failure in your life to change you into looking more like him. But God gives grace to the humble. He's searching. He's looking for those whom he can give grace to. God's not looking for you to show up at his job fair with your sweet CV and resume saying, look at why you should choose me, God, to do this thing. Look how ready I am. And there are some things he's been preparing you for, but he's looking for people that he's like, I don't, I don't really know why I'm here. I, I don't really have a seat. I, I tried to figure out computers, but like that whole two-finger thing, like just, just not working for me. But I'm here. So I heard that you're calling me into something. What is it? And there's grace there for you. There's a gift. There's, there's something for you to do. Exodus 4, 29 to 31. This is the end of, of our passage. Moses and Aaron went and gathered together all the elders of the people of Israel. Aaron spoke all the words that the Lord had spoken to Moses and did the signs in the sight of the people. And the people believed. And when they heard that the Lord had visited the people of Israel and that he had seen their affliction, they bowed their heads and worshiped. Imagine Moses doesn't go. I mean, God would have done something different, but Moses gets to lead the people of God in worship, to understanding who this God is that comes after them. God did this. God did this. And God wants to do the same type of thing through you. Now, it might not be millions of people, but God wants to reach an undeliverable people through you so that you can bring the promise of a deliverer who can deliver anyone from darkness and evil and spiritual death and bring them into the kingdom of light and the beloved son. God wants to reach people through you. You got to get your head up. Uh-oh. Right? You do. Like most of us have our heads down in the sand. We think that like we're called like a badge of honor is to put food on our table. It's like, you realize if you can't afford food, Quebec will put food on your table. Like, you're not really doing this. That's not your ultimate aim. You can't save up for retirement. Quebec has a pension fund. They'll put money in there for you. It's like, that's not why you exist. Your existence is to seek first God and his kingdom. That's your call. God, what do you want for me to do? Maybe I'm supposed to make a lot of money. Maybe I'm supposed to make a little. Maybe I'm supposed to reach a lot of people. Maybe I'm supposed to reach a few. Maybe I'll have a ministry um, or a thing I do that lots of people know who I am. Maybe no one will know who I am because the people I work with are in hospice and they don't last very long. But what is the way that God wants for you to seek his kingdom and his righteousness? And he's going to add everything else onto that. In fact, he says, you don't have to be anxious about anything. Someone left me a coffee this morning. It was really nice. On the top, it says, be anxious for nothing. Make your request known 
and the peace of God shall keep your heart and mind. I'm sipping on that. You need this juice before you preach, right? Holy Spirit coffee from a pagan goddess on the front of my Starbucks cup. <laughs> Where the sacred and secular meet. <laughs> Wonderful. But what is, what is your calling? What is your calling? I know some, in some ways I'm beating a dead horse, uh, but it's because sometimes we just don't, don't listen. What is your calling? What is your calling? Are you called to a place? Is there a place you're supposed to go to? Or are you supposed to stay here? Are you called to a group? A specific group of people? Are you called to a specific need? And then when are you called to do that? I would say some of us, we hear what we're called to do and we think we have to do it right away because it's authentic. I feel it right now, so I need to do it. But you might be called, but you might be like Moses. Your way of actually doing it is you trying to murder Egyptians so you can get your people out. You might be called, but you might not be ready. So what's the Lord saying to you? And it's okay that you're not ready today. God readies those that he calls. He doesn't send out unready and unprepared people to care for his church. Can you imagine, right, military? Like, hey, pal, you're going to go. We're going to drop you off in this place and you do this thing. And like, I have no training. It's like, yeah, yeah, but like, you feel called probably, right? It's like, well, I don't, I'm not really sure. Yeah, I'm sure you do. Like, let's go. Or a surgeon. It's like, hey, um, you're going to go to sleep. I'm not sure if we're punching you in the chin or, you know, the anesthesiologist is going to come in. I'm not sure how this is going to happen. I've never done surgery before, but I've seen a lot of Grey's Anatomy because my wife has made me watch it. And uh, I'm pretty sure this is going to go well. Right? You would never want that. And the same thing happens in ministry. God trains and qualifies his people to be able to go out and do what they're going to do. And it doesn't mean you need a master's degree to do this. You don't need a Bible school degree to do it. But God wants to speak to you and send you into darkness and enemy territory to rescue his enemies. So wrapping up, how are you called? How are you called? There are many avenues for you to be trained. Did you know, Church 21, uh, we offer uh, training from, if you're a brand new Christian, all the way up to a master's degree. Like you can get a master's degree in our church, accredited by um, two different seminaries. But yeah, you get a master's degree. If you feel like I should be a, a pastor, you can be trained in our local church, have a full-time job, get training, and over the course of time, be ready to do that. And have a degree, not that you need a degree. But we want to work with you. If you're called to do something, like, raise your hand later on. You don't have to raise it now because I can't really see you. Um, but, like, raise your hand and let it be known to us. Hey, I think that I should be doing this. I'm called to this. Would you train me? I will say yes. We'll say yes, we would love to train you. We would love to figure out how to invest in you. Because it's a local church that's a primary place where training should be taking place. We, we have uh, Ryan Boussier and Jeff Wright and Trent Walker and Ben Cannonberg uh, training right now to be able to either pastor or plant a church later on. And they're getting, like, you benefit from their ministry. We benefit from the stuff that they do within our church. They're getting input 
academic input, they're getting input from our staff team, but then they're also outputting, they're learning how to do things within the local church. We can train you for what God is calling you to do. We have very robust training that we offer. And if you're being called, I would say this, don't shy away. Don't say like, oh, I don't really matter. If God's calling you to it, we want to know about it. Don't hide behind false humility. Because false humility is really pride. It's ugly. It's like, why aren't you being trained? Well, because people don't notice me enough. It's like, oh, so you're prideful. Like you're arrogant. Make, make your needs known. Make your calling known and we'll walk with you. The reality for us today is that God burns today through the resurrected Jesus and in the power of his spirit and says to his church, who will go? Who will go? When we started this church, I said, I hope that this church like recycles itself often. One of my, the most fun things I get to do is get to go to Vancouver. It's not because I get to leave this place, but it's nice to get to go in Vancouver on this type of year usually. Uh, but when I go there, there's like 40-ish people there that I get to see in different ways that were part of this church and that are living out the same things now there. And it's like, man, I'm so glad that we sent you. I, I didn't like that plan. I'm like, oh, no, stay. We love you. But we get to send people out into the things that God has called you to do. And so if you're like, I don't know if we can stay forever in Montreal. Okay, that's fine. But get trained and equipped now while you're here with us to be able to be sent, not just like leave because the thing ends, but that we can actually send you out. We can connect you with ministries and pastors and people that you can be training with as you're going out. Because God is calling you. Let me end with these few statements. I'm praying, my prayer is that God, God would, in our lifetime, and this is my prayer, it doesn't mean God has to answer it, but I'm praying that Quebec would become the most reached people group in the world. Right? That's what I bother the Lord about all the time. It's like, if he gets annoyed with me, it's about that. That's the thing I pray most often. And that Quebec would be the largest missionary sending place in the world, where we wouldn't look to colonize people, but we'd look to kingdomize people. That they'd be brought into the kingdom and that their different cultures, whether it's Togo or Guinea or France or Chad or Niger or wherever it is in the French-speaking world that French-speaking Quebecers could go and reach, that we wouldn't make it little Quebec there, but that we would come as servants. My prayer is that Canada would see thousands and thousands of churches be planted. Did you know you have an opportunity in a few weeks to give towards new church plants in Canada? We're gonna do a church planting Sunday, a few weeks, and our, our goal is to raise $42,000 across the 18 churches within Acts 29 in Canada to be able to fund seven new church plants, which would be amazing if we could do that. He wants to use us to reach the unreached people groups around the world so that they would become the reached people. It's like three point something billion people that are part of unreached people groups. Would a few of you, would the Lord speak to a few of you about leaving every comfort you've ever had to go there? What the paranormal would love to do, what the enemy would love to do is keep you here, right? There's all these layers like, okay, if I can't keep you out of being on mission, let's at least keep you in a more reached place. And when the voice of God comes, he's like, well, no, 
let's take you out of this place. Let's help you learn the strange language that they don't even have the Bible written in it yet. And let's send you there. Would some of you go there? If some of you are saying like, yes, I would go there. I will do everything I can to find funding for you to go. I will get you connected to the people that will get you trained to go. If the Lord says, I want you to go there, talk to me. Like, we'll get you going. So a few questions. Will you lose your life and spearhead a community of Jesus-obsessed followers in a place that will never know you existed? Will you, will you do ministry only to send out the best that God brings among you so that his kingdom keeps going? Will you give up your I made it for what is next, Lord? That might be a huge thing. Because some of you have made it financially, finally. You've made it out of debt. You've made it career-wise. So today to hold up the sign, all right, Lord, what is next? I'm ready for whatever you have. And will you embrace your comfort in Christ and sacrifice so that all might know who he is? You see, God has brought you here today. It's no accident. But through an empty tomb, he beckons you to go and share that there is hope and that he is not gonna leave you or forsake you. So what are you called to today? I'm gonna pray, but I'm gonna leave pauses for you. I'm not gonna make this a rush prayer. So team, you can just wait until I'm done praying to actually come up so that you can experience this too. So would you just close your eyes with me? It's not biblical to close your eyes while you're praying. It just helps from distraction usually. God, you are a God that is seated and enthroned over every nation, tribe, tongue, and people. You are a God who calls us to yourself. So first, I wanna pray for those who don't yet know you, Jesus. They know a lot about you. They've been around your stuff. But today, would you speak to them and say, you are mine? And would they respond by saying, I wanna be yours? I need to be forgiven. Can I please come into your kingdom? Lord, some of us don't like Quebec. Some of us are here by force, it feels. It doesn't feel like your hand brought us here, but circumstances. We didn't wanna come here, but we're here. Lord, I pray now that you would Show us what ministry you have for us while we're here. Lord, we're not comfortable with silence. We don't like silence. We don't like solitude. We like things just coming at us. So would you quiet our hearts again now? Lord, if you want for us to stay here for the rest of our lives, would you speak to us? Lord, how do you want us to be trained? Lord, if you want us to leave the comforts of Quebec, Canada, and to go to an unreached people group. Would you speak to us? 
Lord, we have the resources financially, time-wise, to be able to, to send and go and invest. Would you speak to us in how you want us to be more generous with our time and with our money? Jesus, all around your throne, one day is gonna be people from every tribe, nation, tongue, crying out, worthy is the lamb. You are the lamb, Jesus, who was slain and who has risen, worthy of you. Jesus, you are king over our city. You are king over our church. You are the true senior pastor and leader of this place. We wanna submit to you. I pray that you would help us as a church to grow in not just knowing you, but knowing knowledge about you, but truly knowing you, that we would spend time face-to-face with you, enjoying you, hearing from you, listening to you, and that this abnormal interaction with Moses and with you would be a more normal thing, that we would hear from your word and we would talk to you through prayer, and we would hear through your community. I pray that this morning would be a great celebration that Jesus, you aren't dead, you're alive, and that our hearts would ignite with joy because of that reality. And then we would celebrate what you're doing, that you have overcome the evil one, you've overcome darkness, you've overcome hell, you have overcome everything, Jesus, and you are alive and active in bringing a people to yourself. And so would we, would you give us hearts of joy and raise the affections of our hearts for you and we could cry out what a great God you really are this morning. So would you allow for the rest of the morning to be one of ministry and celebration because of your resurrection, Jesus. We love you and we need you.